The thing is, I don't care what people think. I don't worry about the critics in the arena. It sends a huge red flag up for me. We're hardwired for connection. When we stop caring what people think, we lose our capacity for connection. When we become defined by what people think, we lose our capacity to be vulnerable. That's Brene Brown, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to change your relationship with depression. I'm your host, Malik Josephs. Just as a quick reminder, we have our second bonus episode airing this Sunday to wrap up this week's topic of confronting our fears. And this bonus episode would be a little bit different compared to our last one. It'll have more of an energetic, motivational type feel to it. So stay tuned for that. And now let's jump into today's episode where we have research professor, speaker, and number one New York Times bestselling author, Brene Brown, on the show to dig deeper into our topic of the week by specifically sharing how we can overcome criticism. So without further ado, here's Brene Brown. Enjoy. So I want to tell you about something that changed my life as a creative person. And it's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt, and it has completely, I mean, I know it sounds cheesy and cliche to think a quote can change your life, but sometimes when you hear something, when you need to hear it and you're ready to hear it, something shifts inside of you. And so my story is that I am a researcher and I never thought I would have a big public career. Um, And so I did a TED talk that went very viral. And in the wake of that, I was kind of everywhere for a couple of months on every CNN.com, NPR, it was everywhere and something I wasn't used to. And the marching orders from my therapist and my husband were do not read the comments online. So I read all the comments online. Um, And so one morning, I woke up, and there were two or three new articles out, and I started reading the comments. And they were devastating. Um, They weren't about my work. They were about me. They were super personal. And they were the things that creative people play in their mind and then give up doing what they really want to do. Like if I asked every single one of you, you would try, what would you try if you knew people would never say this about you? What would that, what would this be? It would, those were the comments that morning. Um, Of course she embraces imperfection. What choice does she have? Look look how she looks. Um, I feel sorry for her kids. Um, Less research, more Botox. just mean personal attacks, the things that really up until that moment had inspired me to stay very small in my life and my career, just so I could avoid those things. So that morning, Steve and the kids leave. I stay home. 
I get on the couch and I watch eight hours of Downton Abbey. <laughs> and when it's over, I don't want to turn off Downton Abbey. Because the minute you turn off Downton Abbey, then it's like soccer practice and dinner and back to the mean people. And maybe, should I get Botox? And maybe, you know, maybe if I stand still when I talk. Um, so I get out my laptop and I do a search for who was president in the United States during the Downton Abbey era. Have you ever done that? Like you, you're numbing with TV or a movie, and so when it's over, you just like stay in that space by like learning more about the actors and what's going on. Um, I've been doing this long enough to know that this is like, you're laughing with me, not at me. Um, so I put it in and Theodore Roosevelt comes up and a quote comes up. And I read it, and this is what it says. It's a quote from a speech that he gave in the early 1900s at the Sorbonne. And a lot of people call it the man in the arena speech. And this is the passage that changed, changes my life. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the person who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred with blood and sweat and dust, who at the best, in the end, knows the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, he fails daring greatly. So the moment that I read that, I closed my laptop and this is what shifted in me. Three huge things. First, I spent the last 12 years studying vulnerability and that quote was everything I know about vulnerability. It is not about winning, it's not about losing, it's about showing up and being seen. The second thing, this is who I want to be. I want to create. I want to make things that didn't exist before I touched them. I want to show up and be seen in my work and in my life. And if you're going to show up and be seen, there is only one guarantee, and that is you will get your ass kicked. That is the guarantee. That's the only certainty you have. If you're gonna go in the arena and spend any time in there whatsoever, especially if you've committed to creating in your life, you will get your ass kicked. So you have to decide at that moment, I think for all of us, if courage is a value that we hold, this is a consequence. You can't avoid it. The third thing, which really set me free, and I think Steve, my husband, would argue has made me somewhat dangerous, is kind of a new philosophy about criticism, which is this. If you're not in the arena also getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. <laughs> Period. That's it. You know, I, I, you know, if you have constructive information, feedback to give me, I want it. And you know, I'm an academic. I'm hardwired for wrestling around with stuff like that. If you say, hey, you forgot all this literature, or hey, you should have done this, or terrible sentence construction over here. Like, let's go, let's, let's do it. I love that. But if you're in the cheap seats, not putting yourself on the line, and just talking about how I could do it better, I'm in no way interested in your feedback. So I know about the sweaty creative. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna talk very specifically about the arena. So when we walk out, this is what we see. Lots of seats, lots of people. But we focus in, and we focus on this, the critics. I used to think the best way 
to put your work out into the world is to make sure the critics are not in the arena. But you have no control over who's in the arena. And the best way I have found is to know that they're there and to know exactly what they're going to say to you. Because each of you know. The three seats that will always be taken when you walk into the arena, when you share your work with someone, the three seats that will always be taken are shame, scarcity, and comparison. Shame, completely universal human emotion. We all have it. It's that gremlin that whispers, you're not, you're not enough. Or if you're feeling pretty confident, like this is, I went through this like in a, when Scott was talking, I went back and forth from like a, like a ping pong table with gremlins, back from, oh my God, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, to I can do this, I can totally do this. Ooh, who do you think you are? That's the other gremlin, that's how it works. Like, look at you, big for your britches. Um, I clearly have Texas gremlins. Um, I don't know that everyone says too big for their britches, but that's what my gremlins say. So shame always has a seat. The other seat that's always taken is scarcity. What am I doing that everyone, what am I doing that's original? Everyone else is doing this. 150 people are doing it who are better trained than, I'm tra than I am. What am I contributing? Does this really matter? The third seat, always comparison. How many of you ever struggle with comparison? Oh my God, comparison is a nightmare. Um, you know, I made a pact not to talk to anyone in the green room because what I was afraid that I would end up doing is say, so what are you talking about? <laughs> That's interesting because I'm going first. Um, <laughs> and so if it sounds super good, and I think I suck comparatively, I may say that. And then I'm catching a flight to Dallas. Um, comparison is always there. The fourth seat I left open for you. You gotta know who's in the fourth seat. Is it a teacher? Is it a parent? Is it ex-coworker? Am I the only one that's ever had one of those? Um, the thing is, I don't care what people think. I don't worry about the critics in the arena. Sends a huge red flag up for me. We're hardwired for connection. When we stop caring what people think, we lose our capacity for connection. When we become defined by what people think, we lose our capacity to be vulnerable. Not caring what people think is its own kind of hustle. Trust me. So, Rather than locking these folks out from the arena, what I'm gonna invite you to do, this way maybe, is reserve seats for them. Which doesn't seem like a good thing to do. But I have 13,000 pieces of data and I've done this work for 12 years. And what I have found and what I have learned from these folks and then try to apply it in my own life that has changed my life is to reserve a seat to take the critics to lunch, and to simply say when I'm trying to do something new and hard and original and I'm trying to be creative and I'm trying to innovate, to say, I see you, I hear you, but I'm gonna show up and do this anyway. And I've got a seat for you and you're welcome to come, 
but I'm not interested in your feedback. The last part is, so I guess the real specific how-tos are this. The world keeps going whether you know it or not. The critics are in the arena whether you identify them and think about the messages that keep us small. They're there whether you do that or not. What I have found in my life and what I've found in my research, which fueled what I did in my life, um, is that the people who have the most courage, who are willing to show up and be the most vulnerable, are the ones who are very clear about who the critics are. The ones who reserve seats for them and say, I hear you, I get it, I know where the messaging's coming from, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not buying it anymore. So to get very clear, the last thing, which I think is the hardest, is this. One of these seats needs to be reserved for you. One of these seats needs to be reserved for me. I need, when we look up and we're putting an idea, our piece of art, our design forward, who do you think the biggest critic in the arena normally is? Yourself. And so, definitely me. Like, I have never watched either of those TED Talks. Because it's not in service of the work for me. And I try to do things that are only in service of my work. Because what would, what would it serve for me to watch it? I would sit there and go, oh my God, suck in your stomach. Oh my God, that's not what you were going to say. You know, we're so self-critical. And one of the things that I think happens, and I think this happens a lot, it happens in different professions, but I think I, I see it a lot with creatives, is there is an ideal of what you're supposed to be. And what a lot of us end up doing is we orphan the parts of ourselves that don't fit what that ideal is supposed to be. And what it leaves when we orphan all those parts of us is it just leaves the critic. And so reserved in this seat is this, where we came from, how we started, our families, the people who love us, the moments that make us who we are. And in that chair should be this person, the person who believes in what we're doing and why we're doing it, and the person who says, yeah, it's so scary to show up. It feels dangerous to be seen. It's terrifying. But it is not as scary, dangerous, or terrifying as getting to the end of our lives and thinking, what if I would have shown up? What would have been different? Big thanks to Brene Brown for stopping by. You can connect with her by visiting her website, brenebrown.com. You can follow her on Instagram at brenebrown. And check out her latest book entitled Dare to Lead, Brave Work, Tough Conversations, Whole Hearts. If you like today's talk, there will be a link to the entire talk, along with all the ways you can connect with Brene in the show, show description. When you get a chance, please follow the show on Spotify Podcasts, share it on your social media, or subscribe to it on your favorite podcast player app. And I will see you back here for Sunday's bonus episode as we wrap up the week with Lisa Nichols for some Sunday fun day inspiration. So until then, stay strong. Later.